Hey guys, welcome. Happy Sunday. I hope you had a great weekend. I did. Let me get this set up. I had trouble getting my um, headset set up. So give me a minute. And once I get that going, we'll uh, get into this book. So give me a second. All right. So we're connected. I don't know why I was having so much trouble connecting my headset. So it really bites. Let me get TikTok powered up here and we'll get our show. We'll get this thing going today. I hate when this happens. I hate everything. Okay. Okay, we're ready to go live. Let's make sure I got my live bill set up. Just give me a minute, everybody. Okay, we're fine. Okay. Okay, I'm going live. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody. It's Sunday, and that means it's uh, reading day. Let me make sure the audio is up on here where it's supposed to be. Give me a second. Okay. Had some issues with my Bluetooth not pairing up. Don't know what that was about. But you know what? When I found reading this book every week, there's always something that goes wrong. Okay? Anyway, I apologize for this past week, too. We've had nothing but video problems with Xfinity, and um, I'm going to have a nice chat with them. I hope this holds up today. In fact, I was, I was going to take tonight off and pre-record this show, but what happened was that when I went to go look at it, Xfinity had started to mess up and messed up the whole other thing I did the other night. So I was, last night, so I was really frustrated with it. But today, hopefully we can get through this. Welcome TikTok, welcome Facebook, welcome YouTube. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal issue, we can get to you. It might take us a while, but we can definitely get to you. Um, you know, California, for what it's worth, when people think of California, they think of us kind of like Hawaii in that we have a ton ton of beaches and all this we do but we also have other areas we have farmland we have desert we also have a lot of mountains and that's why sometimes it can take us a couple days to get to you okay but we do have psychics and mediums on staff who can call you and talk with you about your problems and see if they can settle it down in a lot of cases they can settle it down until we get out there i'm again my name is charlotte i'm uh, the owner of the california hospital investigation team if you happen to be watching from Facebook today and you like what you hear, please feel free to leave me a thumbs up, a happy face, you know, hearts. Because what that does is it puts us higher in the, it makes Facebook grab us and put us up in the FYP, which means we get distributed out to a lot more people. Same thing with YouTube. Uh, it works the same way. Thumbs up, happy faces and all that. And comments. Comments are huge. Same thing with TikTok. Comments are huge. And what I'm asking for on TikTok is because I'm, I'm new at this. Even though I've been doing it a couple months, I'm still new at it. I'm trying to build up my stuff. If you guys could just hit the, you know, tap that screen. If you like what you hear, just tap that screen, double tap it. Get, show me some love. That would be great. I also have a, a goal for 50 llamas. Uh, you don't have to do that. But uh, if, if you feel in your heart that, uh, that, that you want to gift me, that's fine. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to make my expenses and, and, and keep things going. Uh, this is Sunday. This is the day that we read from a paranormal theme book. Today is Omnipresent by Lynn Monet. This is a based on this is based on her true story of buying a haunted, inadvertently buying a haunted house and not realizing it until after she was moving in. It's been scary. This is part three. We've been reading it every weekend and you know, every Sunday for the last two Sundays, and it's a really scary book. In fact, there's a warning in the front of the book that says. That, I, that you need to grow and anybody that listens to this, thank you for the heart. Thank you for the crown heart. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I cannot read your comments, unfortunately, because I have old eyes and I'm blind. So I see you going up there. I, I will have a proper tablet in a couple of weeks. 
to do this, and I'll be able to do it, provide a much better service to, to you guys. Uh, the California Haunts Radio Show broadcasts Sunday through Friday, and we uh, have a reading day on Sunday, and then the rest of the week we cover paranormal topics and other topics. For example, tomorrow's, tomorrow's show is going to be Barbara Butcher. She, she's a death case investigator from New York, and she's going to be talking about a lot of her cases on, on the show. For you guys on TikTok, considering um, I can't go live yet on TikTok, and I don't have the capacity to do everything at once on TikTok, as far as my interviews go, you can check us out at, uh, at, at um, youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. We're on every day at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the gift. Um, like I said, it's not required, but if you can find it in your heart to give me and, get, and throw me some likes up there, I would really appreciate it. You know, I'm just like I said, I'm just trying to make my expenses and get this and, and get this thing launched because eventually we're going to turn this into a really cool channel on TikTok, paranormal all the time, psychic readings, you name it. We're, we're going to be talking ghosts and everything else here. So um, we're looking forward to it. Anyway, this is day three of Omnipresent, and um, I'm real good friends with, with, with the author, and we do have permission from the author and the publisher to read the book online, so uh, there, there's no issue there. The other thing is, uh, this is the PG-13 channel, so if you hear something that I'm reading that you don't like, do me a favor and not turn me into the TikTok police, okay? Just move on. There's, you know, there's, there's other places you can go and watch, you know, streamers and stuff. Move on. I, I don't want to get banned or anything. So far, we've done really good with this book, and uh, I, I would really appreciate it, okay? Anyway, without further ado, I was running kind of late because the Bluetooth uh, headset wasn't working properly. So now that it's working, um, I'm going to start reading, and we're starting with Chapter 8 today. And I really, really appreciate you guys, okay? I really do. And if you find it in your heart and you want to gift, that's up to you. But I'd appreciate everything you could do for me so I can keep this thing on the air and keep it rolling. Let me do one more little adjustment here. And I don't know how the video is going to go. Like I said last night, TikTok was fine. But my regular stuff through StreamYard last night, I went ahead and started reading, got through a whole hour of reading, and realized that there were gaps in it because I kept dropping off. So hopefully I went through and I, I rebooted my router three or four times. So hopefully that's going to that's gonna make a difference, you know, rebooting that router today. So we'll see. But either way, I'm going to have a nice chat with Xfinity tomorrow. All right. So let me get into this book. And Omnipresence by Lynn Monet, Chapter 8. The moment of truth. The next day, while at my trailer, I unpacked the previously packed boxes that were waiting to go to the house and put the items back in their places. I needed to make room for more items to come back. A boy that I fostered for a family during the summers, named Zachary, had arrived to spend the summer with us for the, th for the third summer in a row. His school lit out a week earlier than my children's school. My kids were so happy to see him. Where's all your furniture and stuff? Zachary asked. My children chimed in, and told him about the new house, but not about the ghosts. He was anxious to see it. I told him that we would go on Wednesday, which was my kids' first day out for the summer. I would need to go and move along you know, the grass anyway. The following day, I called my real estate attorney to see if there was any kind of loophole to get out of the mortgage of the house. Of course, he was surprised and wanted to know why. So I told him about the house being haunted. Are you serious, he asked. And I proceeded to tell him that if he didn't believe me, he and his family was more than welcome to go to the East Flat Rock house and spend up to a week for free there. I told him that the house had water and electricity and that the bedroom, that all the bedrooms were set up if he wanted to go over and experience it for himself. He declined. He told me that the court recognizes an act of God or Mother Nature, like a tree falling on a house, but not an act of Satan. He told me that there was only one way out of the contract, and it was to sell the property. With that being said, 
I knew that I had to finish renovations as soon as possible. I called Larry and asked him if he would help or he would have any time in the near future to help me with the house. He said that he would be available the next week, provided it was raining. He explained that the job he was doing right then required him to be outside, but my job, he could do whatever it was raining or not. Since we've been having so much rain lately, I feel like I could squeeze you in, Larry said. I was grateful. He reminded me again that it would depend on the weather. The next day, I took a break from packing and moving to take all three kids to an interactive museum for children in Asheville. Afterwards, we all went to a specialty pizza restaurant and sat outside with the pigeons. I still had not told my children about my decision to sell the house. Part of me was still torn and hoping that this was all just a bad dream. I was worrying about the what-ifs and the maybes. I hoped that the spirits would be gone. The East Flat Rock house was such a perfect house for us to live in otherwise. The next morning, after breakfast, the kids and I loaded up into my car to go over and see the house. The chatter was happy, coming from the back seat. Wow, is this it? exclaimed Zachary when we finally arrived. The children quickly got out of the car and took my keys to let them into the house, to let themselves in the house. I asked Brittany to unlock the garage door from inside. I got the lawnmower out and then headed out to start mowing the side yard. After I had finished the side yard and part of the front yard, I stopped to fill up with gas. The boys were climbing the Japanese maple in the front yard. Brittany was upstairs in her bedroom. I went into the garage and heard footsteps coming down the stairs. It was Zachary. He was holding his neck and wincing with tears in his eyes. What happened? I asked him. I don't know, he said. Did you get bitten by a bug or scratched by a tree branch? I asked. No. I gently moved his hand away. I could see that he was in real pain. I didn't see anything on his neck, not even a red spot. Did you fall into your neck while climbing the tree, I asked him. No, it just hit me. What do you mean just hit you? It hit me in the bottom of the, at the bottom of the stairs, he said. Then he started to retch. I knew then that the house was still with unlike guests. I wanted to get my children out of there as fast as possible. I helped Zachary to my car, which was parked in the shade. Then I called for Brittany to come down the stairs to the foyer, exit, to the foyer exit out the front door and go to the car. I called for Austin, who replied that he needed to go to the bathroom. I told him not to go in the house. I gave him permission just this once to go around to the back of the house and find a private place to pee. Of course, he was thrilled with getting to pee outside. Brittany, who heard me calling but did not hear what I said, came down the stairs into the garage to see what I had called her for. As she got to the last step, stair step, she grabbed her ankle and let out a yell. She came hobbling into the garage. Are you okay? I asked. I don't know what happened, she said. I was just coming down the stairs, and I don't remember twisting my ankle or anything. It hurts really bad, Mommy. I wasn't even going down that fast down the stairs. It hurt so badly that she could not bear weight on it. Then she started to complain of nausea. I helped her to the car. Then I pulled down the garage door and locked it from the outside, and then walked over to the front door and also locked it from outside. We all left, heading for the trailer. I did want to alarm the children. As all of them started feeling better the farther we got down the street. But I was at my wit's end with the ghost BS. Now they were hurting my kids. I was so upset that when we got back to the trailer, I went outside to call Eric, the priest from the paranormal group. I told him what had just happened at the house. He reminded me that he had told me it could take multiple tries to get the entities out of that house and for me to remain strong in my faith. He said he could come back, but it would be a few weeks before he could get there. Eric suggested I get the Catholic priest to do another blessing on the house in the meantime. 
I asked Eric if he had had a chance to review the infrared film or audio tapes that he had got in my house. He told me that he had, and that entities were in fact present on the film. He hadn't reviewed the audio tapes yet, though. It was also not a good idea for me to focus on the findings in the house. The scared feeling that arose when details about his findings were given was a negative emotion and drew the demons near. They energized off any kind of negative emotion or acknowledgement. He said for me to not focus so much on the findings, but to think positive. After that, I called Stan and told him, too. He didn't know what else I should do other than call the Catholic priest that uh, we had been referred to and have him do another blessing. So I called the Hendersonville Catholic Church and spoke to the priest. He agreed to come on Saturday to do a blessing. I would need to pick him up at 1 p.m., since he didn't have a car, and drive him over to the house. I'm going to check on what's going on. I'll stream that real quick. Looks like we've got a strong connection today. Finally. Okay. I picked him up, and as we were driving, I told him about the recent blessing and some of the occurrences in the house. The priest remained very quiet during the ride over. Once we arrived, I had him go with me into the house and down to the lower level. I wanted the blessing to start in the family room. This area, as well as the stairwell and hallways, always seemed to be the most active with paranormal activity. We entered the family room, and the priest opened the Bible. Then he started to pray. He reached out his scripture as he sprinkled holy water into the room. I could see the entity's misty shadows leaving the room to the ceiling. Then we went to the next room and garage. Once finished with the downstairs, the priest and I went to the upper level and continued the blessing. I noticed that the priest seemed to be in a great hurry and was much more abbreviated. He walked down the hallway, just squirting holy water into each of the rooms from the doorways without even entering them. He continued to recite scripture as fast as he could. The blessing was completely finished in ten minutes, and only, and only three minutes of it was spent upstairs. He was visibly shaken and ready to go. He remained silent as I drove him back to the Catholic Church. I thanked him for his time. He could hardly get out of the car fast enough. I headed back to my trailer and spent some time with my kids before getting dressed for work. I had to work my shift that night. I went to work a bit early and ran into my co-worker who had referred Bobby to me. She told me that Bobby had been over to her house the night before for a party. He had had some beer to drink and was feeling a little buzz. She said that she took the opportunity to ask him what had happened while he was at my house. Bobby explained to her that he had never experienced anything like it before. He told her that he was sitting in my son's room on a rolling seat, installing the tongue and groove flooring, and he had just applied adhesive to a square of the parquet and put it into place. Then, when he reached down for his block and mallet to tap the flooring into place, the tools were not there. He started to look around his seat for them, thinking that he had rolled over them with his seat. They weren't there either. So he started to look around the room and finally saw his tools. All three were parallel to each other and lined up in front of the bedroom door. He said that, was, that he was weirded out by this, and he didn't remember putting them there, or even getting up from his seat. The fact was that the tools were there, and since he was the only one in the house, he must have moved them. He figured that maybe he had a mental lapse or something and just didn't remember doing it. He was still uncomfortable with this idea, but, he, but needed his tools to finish the job, so he got up and retrieved them. He looked out into the hallway to see if I had returned and was playing a joke on him by moving his tools. As he stood there, feeling a bit unnerved, he turned on the overhead light and some music on his portable radio. Then he sat back down on his rolling bench and continued working. He used his trowel to apply more adhesive. He then laid the trowel back down next to him with the other tools. He placed the wooden tile in its place. Suddenly the lights shut off. 
Seconds later, the radio turned itself off. He thought that the fuse had blown until he heard the dragging sound of his tools behind him. When he looked, they were once again lined up in front of the bedroom door, the same way that he had found them before. He grabbed his stuff and got out of there as fast as he could. He told my co-worker that he tried to call me as he exited the house and could not get a signal on his phone until after he had gotten down the road. He had called me to tell me that he needed to leave. He said that the line dropped during our conversation. He said that he would not go back into that house. He reiterated to her that he had never, ever experienced anything like it. If you like what you hear, tap that screen. I'm looking to build up my likes. Tap that screen. I really appreciate it. Lid is a really nice lady, he had, told my, he had told my friend. I hoped that she was able to find someone to finish her work. If it were me, I would never live in that house. That house is messed up. I worked my shift Saturday and Sunday. I talked about the occurrences in the house with my friend Janice during our downtime at work. I felt like I was at a dead end. It seemed as if all the things that I had ever been taught about religion didn't apply anymore. According to what I was taught when growing up, there was... Ah, oh, got stuck again. Okay. There was no such thing as ghosts. As an older person, I was taught that if you were a child of God, that you were, you were protected from the effects of Satan. In more recent months, I had heard that if a lost soul, spirit, or demon was ever in my realm and made me uncomfortable, I should simply ask it to leave, and it would have to, according to universal law, or to pray and send it into light, or command it to leave in the name of Jesus Christ while I'm trying not to wet my pants. Well... That was all fine and dandy, but none of it seemed to be completely effective for me. I had tried it all. I could not understand why I should have to be going through this anyway. One of my older, uh, one of my other co-workers had overheard me talking to Janice and said that her church could get things out of my house. I invited her to come over and do so, but nothing ever came of it, as I didn't hear her mentioned again. I was becoming aware, I was becoming somewhat depressed and had lost my desire to go to the house. I let the grass grow for four weeks and had to use my reader to cut the grass before I could even think about running my lawnmower over it. When I finally went back to the house, I had my mother come with me. I didn't want to be there alone, even if it was just to be outside doing yard work. It was almost like it wasn't mine anymore. I felt like I was an unwelcome guest there. Unfortunately for me, the mortgage payment each month was a rude awakening to the fact that I now owned a home that I could not live in and was now paying two electric and water bill, two electric and water bills insurance on both homes and a lot of rent for my trailer. I had to do something about it. I could not afford to continue living that way for very long. All of the saved money that I had for renovations and some new things for the house were getting used up by paying bills for two homes. While on my break at work, I once again started to browse through the newspaper to find someone to help finish the, the started renovations on the house. I needed to get the house into selling condition. I wrote down some phone numbers from the classifieds to call on Monday. Chapter 9. Again, I have permission from the author and publisher to read this book. We do this every Sunday. Gets everybody set up for the week. And I hope you guys like it. And if you do like it, feel free to tap that, keep tapping that screen over on TikTok, Facebook. Give me some thumbs up, some happy faces. Things like that, same thing with YouTube. And please do comment and, and, and whatnot, okay? Unfortunately, with uh, TikTok, I can't read the screen. It's on, it's on my cell phone, but I know you guys are there, and I thank you for for being here. I really do. And if you find it in your heart, please feel free to uh, gift me with, with a llama or something else. I'm, I'm not going to ask you for it. I'm just saying if, if you decide you want to do that, that'd be great. Try to keep my, my thing going and build up and 
tap the screen for likes and all that good stuff because I am trying to build my, my, my TikTok audience up, okay? And I do have subscriptions, too. Okay. Uh, this is a true story about a family that moves into a haunted house without realizing it. I'm just watching my internet, too, because I've been having issues with my internet, so. Okay. All right, back into it. Chapter 9, Indian Rituals. Monday morning came, and after I, after I had slept for a few hours, I got up to have some breakfast and make some phone calls. Several of the numbers that I had written down for the newspaper were disconnected. One of the phone numbers turned out to be the guy whom I originally had come over to the, had come over to the house and did not finish the job. During the time that I spent making calls, I received a call from Larry. I will be available this week on Wednesday and Thursday to come over and help you, he said. I was thrilled and told him I will be your transportation since your vehicle is being repaired. I was happy with this idea for multiple reasons, one of which was that he would have to stay at the house and do work until I was ready to leave and take him home. Another, of course, was that I would not have to be in the house alone. My children had been asking for their toys that had been moved to the house. I had already unpacked everything that I had previously packed to be moved into the house, but I had not taken anything back out of the house to return to the trailer. I had some concerns about moving anything back from that house. I felt like it was contaminated and could bring those entities into my trailer. Yet, I could not afford to replace the expensive toys and collectibles that had been left there either. I went online and researched the most effective ways to bless and clear demonic energy off of items. Then I followed the directions by obtaining holy water and sea salt to bless everything. I didn't want to take any chances and have any of what was in that house follow me to my trailer. I had to do everything that I could to protect my children in their dwelling. Wednesday came and I picked up Larry. We drove over to the East Flat house and entered the front door without any lock issues. The house seemed bright and cheery. My heart sank as I thought about having to move out and back into the old trailer. I had hoped that things would have worked out the way that they were supposed to and that everything would be back to normal, but they weren't. And I had to remember that this type of calmness in the house was like the low before the storm. I was not going to be fooled. I knew that the entities were still there. I first showed Larry the flooring tiles and then Austin's bedroom that had flooring started but not finished. I described to him what I wanted done to the stairs and the stairwell. Then I asked him, would you paint the rooms at the lower level to freshen them up? Larry told me that he would charge me $12 an hour to do it all. I agreed and was ready for him to get started right then. He told me that he would not be able to start that day and would need to bring his tools with him the next day. I had him help me load some of the boxes full of my kids' toys from the garage into my car. We drove back to Asheville, and I pulled up to let him off at his house. We confirmed that I would pick him up the next morning. Before Larry got out of my car, he asked me if I smoked pot. I told him that I didn't smoke anything. He seemed surprised. I don't care what you smoke, as long as you finish the work and have enough respect not to smoke it around me or my kids, I told him. I remember thinking that I could not be particular at this point. And maybe if this guy was stoned all the time, the ghost wouldn't bother him. Once home at the trailer, I unloaded my children's toys in the yard and sprinkled all of them with holy water and sea salt. I prayed over them to be free of any negative demonic energy from that house and for the Lord to keep my children safe. I repeated the blessing before taking the toys inside the trailer. The next day, I went to pick up Larry. I noticed that the tool that he had brought along was a small, hand-sized paintbrush. I was surprised that this was all that he seemed to need especially since the day before he had said he needed tools and could not start working because of it. Is that all you're bringing? I asked him. 
Okay. I saw tools at the house, he responded. You have everything I need already. I had my car loaded with empty boxes to take over and pack with more of the children's toys. Larry asked me if I was moving out, and I said that I had decided to resell the house. When we arrived, once again the door locks worked like magic without any problems at all, and the house seemed light and airy without even a hint of ghostly activity. I was starting to wonder if maybe the blessing had a delayed reaction and that the entities were gone. The day went smoothly as Larry finished Austin's bedroom and got halfway up the hallway with the flooring. It looked really nice. Again, I was wistful about needing to move. I went ahead and packed some more toys to take home to the trailer with me. I asked Larry when he might be able to come back, and he said that he would be, be available the following week on Wednesday and Thursday again. I wrote him a check and drove, home, drove him home. The next week, Larry had his truck repaired and met me at a nearby burger place. Then he followed me over to the house. We arrived, and Larry started working on the floor right away. I went outside to work on the landscaping and then left to get lunch for Larry and me. When I returned, Larry had finished the hallway and was a third of the way into the living room with the flooring. He mentioned that he was having trouble making the cuts because the saw, for whatever reason, had been turning off. He felt that maybe there was a short the cord or socket. He said that he would bring something to fix it the next day. Each of us worked until about 3 p.m., then cleaned up and got ready to go. I explained to Larry that I had to meet the teacher at my son's school in Asheville the next day, and I would not be returning to the house. I gave him a key to let himself in. Then I decided to go across the street and let my neighbors know that my worker would be at the house on Thursday alone. As I walked across the street, I noticed this huge five-foot-tall angel statue in their front yard. As I got closer, I realized that the angel in their yard was Archangel Michael, the angel used for protection from evil in the Catholic religion. It was located in front of their house, facing mine. I had not noticed him there before. I knocked on the door and spoke to the gentleman. I let him know about Larry and asked, Is everything okay? He asked, Is everything okay over there? I have decided to resell the house, I said. Do you know of anyone wanting a house in the area? If so, can you please let me know? He said, I would be happy to help. It was hard to believe that the summer had passed so quickly. I did return to the house until Friday with my mother. As I drove, I told her about the house seeming to be so peaceful the last few days, as if the entities were gone, and I hoped this was true. Once we arrived and went to the house, we got to see the flooring that had been completed. The only rooms left to finish were the dining area, foyer, and stairs. It looked really nice. I was very pleased with the way it had turned out. My mom came along to help me pack. We started in the kitchen by packing the dishes and loading boxes from downstairs into my car. I blessed everything before loading it into the car. I told my mother that I felt a little foolish packing at that point, since it seemed like the house was, was clear of demons. I told her that I was confused and didn't know what to do. I had just registered my kids at their old schools in Asheville. My mother had gone down the hallway to admire the children's decorated bedrooms. She commented once again about a dead carcass odor emitting from the wall between Brittany's closet and window. I went to her room to check that the window was closed and that nothing was blowing in from the outside. I was puzzled. There was no rodent problem in the house, at least not that I had seen evidence of. I could not imagine where the foul odor in her room continued to come from. That odor had been in her bedroom for months now. I got down on the floor and smelled the carpet, thinking that the previous owners might have spilled something sticky on it. Stinky on it and didn't find anything. Then, a few minutes later, 
My mother and I went into Austin's bedroom and found that the dead carcass smell seemed to be emitting from his closet as well. His closet was empty and not anywhere near the same wall that Brittany's closet was on. My mom and I went to the master bedroom and found that the smell was there also. I was perplexed. I thought that maybe the septic tank was backing up, even though the smell was more of a rancid carcass smell and not a sulfur odor. The smell reminded me of a time when I was a little girl and a baby bird had fallen from its nest and died. The ants were all over it and it had a similar smell coming from it. My mother agreed that the smell did seem to be following us. I'll get some chemicals for the septic tank, I told her. That's probably what's making the smell in the rooms. It didn't make much sense to me, though, that when we had been downstairs getting boxes out of the lower-level rooms, that the odor had not been downstairs, too. I had never had a house with a septic tank before. Later on, after we had left, I would get some chemicals for the septic tank to use upon my return. My mother and I went back into the kitchen and finished filling boxes. I stacked and carried two of the filled boxes, then headed for the stairs to load them into my car. As I approached the stairs, I caught a glimpse out of my peripheral vision of what appeared to be a wolf-type figure once again racing up the stairs and down the hallway. It looked as if it had a red hip-length coat on. Even though I was startled, I pretended that I hadn't seen it. I remained calm. My heart sank as I had the realization again that the entities were back, or I never left, and that I would never move into that house. As I headed back into the house, I passed my mother, who was also bringing boxes to the car. I told her I was ready to go. I asked my mother to wait by my car. I'll get our purses from inside and then lock up, I said. My mother seemed puzzled, and I told her that I would explain later. Why, she asked. Do you think that you saw something? Because I saw something, too, but wasn't sure what it was. She described seeing movement. I nodded my head and reiterated that I would retrieve our purses from the kitchen. I told her that we would leave and that she should not come back to the house unless I was not back within five minutes. She agreed. I went back to the house, gathered our purses, and secured the doors. We got in the car and left to go back to my trailer. I told my mother in the car that I now once again felt justified to move out. I rebussed the items that we had brought from, from the house to the trailer. Lynn, this is so sad, my mother said. It is such a nice house, and you've worked so hard to make it a beautifully decorated home for your family. Things like this just are not supposed to happen. I told her that if I allowed myself to, it would be easy to cry at this point and to get on the pity pot. Getting this house was like winning the booby prize, I said. And no matter what happens, I feel that God had a special lesson in this for me, and I will come away as a better, stronger person for it. However... These trials and tribulations are getting a bit old, especially these unusual ones. How many people do you know that have to deal with something like this? At that point, I felt that I was becoming desensitized to the creatures in my house. They no longer had the scare effect that they used to have on me and had little effect on me at all. Keep tapping that screen. Please tap that screen. Please tap that screen. Help me out. Show me some love. I went to work the next day and found a letter in my inter-office inter mail. My story had been passed around the facility that I had worked at, and the support that came forward was touching. Inside the letter was a woman's name and phone number. The note was from one of the social workers in our facility. He wrote that he had heard of my dilemma and to contact this woman. She would be able to help me. He also wrote that she was hard to get a hold of, so I should, I should not give up. What amazed me the most was that the more I told my story, the more people came forward with their own stories and experiences with paranormal. 
After completing my shift on Monday morning and sleeping till noon, I called the lady and left a message. I had been told by the priest, Eric, not to talk about the demons, or as any acknowledgement draws them to you. I found that it also charges their field, making them stronger and able to do more physical attacks. I started desensitized. I was curious, but no longer afraid. And they had no power over me. It seemed to work for the moment. However, it was a theory that I had no intention of ever testing. I could never live in the evil, negative vibrations that came with the entities. I called my mother to see if she'd be available to go with me the next day to continue packing and removing the boxes from the house. She said yes. I had bought some new furniture that was needed for the bigger home. And my trailer was filling up fast. The next day, after dropping my children off at their schools, I had my mother meet me at my trailer so that we could take both of our cars to load. We filled up our cars with more empty boxes and then headed over the house. When I went up the front doors and put my key in the deadbolt, I could hear growling coming from inside the house. I asked my mother, Do you hear that? Yes, she said. What is that? It sounds like growling. I opened the door and said out loud in the room, You can growl all you want. I'm not afraid of you. This is my house and I'm coming in anyway. The growling stopped. I entered the foyer very matter-of-factly and continued up the stairs to finish packing the items in the kitchen. My mother followed. Once everything had been packed in the kitchen and loaded in the car, we decided to clear out the understair storage area in the garage. I had my holiday decorations stored there. As I headed down the stairs to the garage, my phone rang. It was the woman whose name I had been given at work. She had gotten my message and was returning my call. I went into the family room and sat down. I explained the types of things that had been happening in the home. I also told her about the multiple witnesses' experiences. The lady seemed to be very well educated on the subject of the paranormal. I could relate to all of what she talked about, such as the burning physical attacks, nausea, and claw marks. Nothing logical made sense in this kind of situation. She explained to me that, in her experience, there was not only a hierarchy of angels, starting with the cherubim up to the archangels, but also a hierarchy of demons, starting with the starting with level one, the babies, and descending to high sub level six. The one that we're calling a gargoyle was a level three. Most people who experience demonic activity are usually visited by demons from the first and second levels, which are the weakest demons. They cannot inflict physical harm, but they can do mental imprints and create negative thoughts in one's mind, or cause intermittent forgetfulness. She said that what I was describing sounded to her like, like a hell dog or hellhound, level five, and that they were usually very difficult to remove. She had only seen two before on other occasions. If she could not get the entities out of my house, then nobody could. She was willing to help, and she understood the urgent need. But she also didn't want payment unless I was happy with the result of her demon removal, and then only a donation would be accepted. I believe that the very few religious denominations that were willing to come forward and help me actually did some good because I saw the evidence of the demons being weakened. I was grateful to all the people for their help. Unfortunately, though, the length of time and the process that it would take for total removal would have taken too long. And without a guarantee that the demonic creatures would never return was not an option for me. I had no interest in ever dealing with an issue like this again. Megan was my last chance. She said that her removal would be instant. Megan practiced a unique kind of Indian religion. She was honest and upfront about her ability. Hell dogs are garbage for Satan, she explained. 
And wherever they are present, their only purpose is to guard that spot ferociously. The reasons for the hell dog's presence in your house will determine whether it will be willing to leave or not. Are you aware of any of the area's history near the house, she asked. No, I responded. I just bought the home. She explained to me that even a brand new house can be haunted because it has nothing to do with the age of the house. It's the old ground from the, that the house is built on. As we were talking on the phone, she asked me if I was at the house. I said yes. She warned me, beware of attack. The spirits were probably now lay low since they know that I'll be coming to the house. But do not be fooled by the lull. Having the influence of lost souls can be scary, and most are harmless. But having demonic presences in your home can make you physically and mentally ill. The constant contact with their negative presence drains your energy and creates havoc, she continued. They also need energy, and that can be the reason why they are down in the rooms with the fuse box and the natural stone wall of the fireplace. They energize from both. They thrive most on the negative energy of people's emotions, like fear, sadness, anger, or depression, and their chemical addictions. They thrive on anything that creates chaos in a person's life and those who are around them. They will repeatedly rob you of good sleep, which will also leave a person open to illness and depression. She paused before saying further, If I cannot get them out, you will need to seriously consider moving. Are you sleeping and living in the house? No, I responded. She said that was good, because they were most active at night. During our conversation, as I sat in the family room, I could feel the familiar scene strikes on my legs, but they seemed to be in a much weakened state. It was more like the burn of an initial mosquito bite that remained for a couple of minutes. I told Megan this, and she agreed that I was being attacked. She said that she would have time to come out she wouldn't have time to come out until the following week on Tuesday. I gave her the address and pleaded with her not to cancel, that I really needed her help. I could see the enemy's figures in misted forms moving around near the fireplace. I got up and walked out of the room without acknowledging them. I was anxious to leave and share with my mother what I just learned. Later that day, it was time for me to pick up my children from school. When Brittany got in the car, she started to complain of back pain and asked if I could rub her back when we got home. I just figured that it was her heavy backpack straining her back, so later that evening I rubbed her back, gave her some Advil, and applied heat packs, which seemed to give a small amount of relief. When she came home from school the next day, complaining of the same pain again, I went out that evening and bought her a rolling book bag. I rubbed her back, applied her heat packs, and gave her Advil again. This time, I gave her Tylenol as well. None of this seemed to help. I told her to try out her new book bag and see if that helped her back feel better. During those two days, I had continued to remove my family's personal things from that house. Larry finished installing the flooring. As Megan had said, everything in the house remained peaceful. Larry had completed both the flooring and the stairs. They looked great. The only thing left was to stay in the stairs and to paint the lower level rooms. I surely didn't want to do it. Larry was stoned most of the time, so the demons didn't seem to bother him. I asked him if he would be able to help me move my furniture back out of the house with his truck, and he agreed to help. I was hungry and offered to get lunch for us. Larry decided to come along with me. He wanted a hamburger from a place that he had been to before. During the ride, I commented that I needed the furniture to be moved back into my single wide. Why aren't you going to move into the house, he asked me. I figured that at, the, at this point it was safe to tell him about the ghost. He had already finished the work on the floor that I needed to have done, so if he didn't want to come back after hearing my story, I would be able to finish the rest on my own. After telling him, 
I asked if he had experienced anything at any time while in the house, and he said no. I dropped them off back at the house and headed to Asheville to pick up my kids from school. Bendy's back was still hurting. I asked her how long it had been bothering her, and she told me that it had really started hurting more after her last visit to the house. She said it had progressively gotten worse. It started out as a dull pain up near her left shoulder, but now the pain had gotten much worse and she was hardly able to lift her notebook out of her bag in class. She asked if she could have a note to excuse herself from, to excuse her for PE the next day. Why didn't she mention this before yesterday, I asked. Because I knew you'd been under a lot of pressure with the house thing, she said, and I thought the pain would stop on its own. We were coming up on a weekend, so when I called the pediatrician's office to schedule an appointment for Brittany, I was not able to get her an appointment until the upcoming Wednesday. I allowed both kids to stay home from school that Friday. I figured some good rest would help. I continuously attended Brittany with heat packs and Tylenol. At one point, I was ready to take Brittany to the ER, but then I had a then I had gotten dressed to go. But then after I got dressed to go, she had fallen asleep and slept from late that afternoon until the early next morning. I called my work and told them that I wasn't sure what was going on with my daughter and that if she were to wake up with that kind of pain again, I was going to have to take her to the ER. I didn't want to leave my work without coverage at the last minute. But he seemed to have less pain over the weekend. I was hoping it was just a pulled muscle. After that, getting a good rest would help. And that, getting a good rest would help. We got through the weekend and Brittany returned to school. Even though she was still having some pain, I called to confirm with Megan that she would be at the house around 4 p.m. the next day. She told me to bring anyone with me that might have been physically attacked by the entities in the home. Previously, Brittany had the incident in the stairwell, so I made arrangements for my mother to keep my son after school the next day. When I picked up Brittany from school on Tuesday, she was once again complaining of the pain in her left shoulder and back. I asked her if she could stand to come with me to the house to meet with the lady. Brittany didn't want to until I explained to her that the lady had asked that she come. We arrived at the house and remained outside my car until Megan and her friend arrived. If you like what you're hearing, please tap that screen. Um, when they got out of Megan's car, we had, a very, we, had very, we had a very brief introduction. Then Megan's focus went directly to the house. Megan said to her friend, Mike, that she could see the tunneling at the side of the house. It just so happened to be on the same side of the house that the bonus room and family room were on. And he agreed that he saw it there too. Then she saw my daughter standing in front of the house, maybe 18 feet away, and said to Mike, that girl has an attachment on her back, left shoulder. Megan named her index finger and middle fingers at Brittany and snapped her fingers towards her. Then Megan threw something to the ground and both she and Mike stomped on it. Megan asked me, has your daughter been complaining of pain in her back or left shoulder? Because I just removed an attachment off of her. I was baffled and answered, yes, a lot of pain. I'm not surprised, Megan said. It was a big one. Then she told me to ask Brittany if she was having any more pain. So I asked Brittany, who, was, who had no idea what had just happened, how she felt. The pain is gone, all of a sudden, she said. Then I told my daughter that Megan had just removed an attachment off of her back. Brittany started swinging her arms around in a way that she had been unable to in over a week. Her pain never returned. Not ever. Megan had asked me if there was a different entrance into the house besides the front door. She said that the, she said that the entities were waiting for her at the front entrance to ambush her. So I redirected her to the sliding glass doors in the rear of the house. The three of us, Mike, Megan, and I, entered the house from the sliding glass doors. Brittany opted to remain outside and do her homework. Megan set up her sacred place on the floor within five feet of the stairs 
in the direction of the hallway. Then she sat down on the floor in a lotus position and lit a candle. Is anyone here? she asked. All of a sudden, the spirit of the young man showed himself at the top of the stairs. Megan asked for me to open the sliding glass door so that the young man could leave if he wanted to while she held the other spirits at bay. Then she told the young man to go to the light and enter it. I opened the sliding glass door and saw the young man running towards me to the open door. Then he disappeared into the sunlight. One down, Megan said. I stood next to Mike in the dining room area. I silently watched the whirling movement of air and the fragmented outline of the wolf as it came onto the top stair. All of a sudden, Mike jumped back and said, Whoa, it's here. Can you see that too, I asked. Yes, most definitely, he said. You did say that he, that he had big feet, didn't you? Megan interjected. Yes, I said. I could see the wolf standing at the top of the stairs, and they could too. Out of nervousness, I asked Megan why it was so ugly. She responded that it was not ugly where it came from. Megan continued her focus on the creature who had puffed up as large. Okay, hang on. Okay, okay. They puffed up. Hang on a second. As large as it can get. Why are you here, she asked, calmly. Then she paused. In response, I could hear the familiar buzzing, gurgling sound. I looked at Megan to see if it was coming from her, but it wasn't. Let me double-check what's going on on the internet. All right, we're holding pretty tight today. Finally, okay. I had heard the same sound twice before. Once when the smog was filling up the kitchen, and the second time when Ellen got clawed, also in the kitchen. I would hear it. Whenever the demons were approaching, there was no sound comparable to it on this earth. This conversation seemed to go on between them for about ten minutes. Megan would ask the creature a question and it would respond. I would have never believed that something like this could happen if, it had not, if I had not witnessed it with my own eyes. It was mind-blowing. Megan would ask the creature questions such as, What are you? Why are you here? What is your purpose? Excuse me. Finally, Megan said to me that the hellhound told her that it was a god for Satan and that it was tunneling, along with the other entity, but when the tunnel caved in, they could not continue their, to their destination or go back to where they had come from. She said, she said that she had agreed to reopen their etheric tunnel for them if they would leave, and it had agreed to go. This could not possibly be real, I thought. Then again, none of this had ever seemed real. Yet I, I could not deny what I was seeing standing there at the top of the stairs or what I had heard such as, what are you? Why are you here? What is your purpose? Finally, Megan said to me that the hellhound told her it was a guard. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's get back on me. Okay. What I heard, especially since I stood in a room with two other people who were also seeing and hearing it. I apologize for that. Whether it made sense to me or not, I could not dispute it. After all, Megan's bizarre expertise had just stopped my daughter's pain instantly. I had never discussed Brittany's pain with Megan. I had never even considered that my daughter's pain might have been caused by the supernatural. Megan had seen the attachment on my daughter in the exact area in which Brittany had been complaining of mild to mostly moderate pain for days. It made me angry after the fact to think that the demons had been picking on my child and I had been unable to protect her from their attacks. God wasn't protecting her either, or so it seemed that way. I didn't know what God's purpose was for my family and me to have endured this horrible life experience. Despite that, the fact was that we had, st we had and still were, therefore, I went along with the blessing. 
I was desperate for something to work, and Megan seemed to know exactly what she was doing. It didn't matter that her technique made no sense to me. As long as the entities would be gone, I had already tried everything else. Megan explained that the previous blessings that I had done in the house were like stabbing the hound and pulling off its skin. Is that why he now looks like he has a red coat on, I asked? Yes, and since it does not have life as we know it, it cannot die. I also found myself feeling remorseful towards the ghostly beast. Then I caught myself. I wanted them out of my house, never to return. I had now been paying a mortgage on a haunted on a house that I could not live in for the past six months. Megan did something, and the creature was gone. Then she went throughout the house with sage, slowly blessing every room. The house was filled with sage smoke by the time she had finished. The whole process took three and a half hours. She told me to come back to the house in a few days to bless and cleanse the house with sage again. Megan said to do it just like I had seen her doing it. She left me with the sage bundle for the upcoming blessing. The oddest thing was, when Megan had finished cleansing, I went downstairs into the family room and found that, for the first time, the oldest dark room was filled with sunlight. It was blazing through the one small window, and in the remaining smoke, I could actually see the tunneling along the ceiling line. It looked similar to a curved sheet of plexiglass, like quarter round, extended approximately three feet down from the ceiling and three feet out from the well, from the wall. It looked like it was completely stuffed with paper or rocks. It was totally packed up. I was grateful that Megan had come to my rescue, even though I didn't understand what she had done. I could see the evidence that something had been done. The whole house had totally different, a totally different feeling to it. It was lighter and brighter than it had ever been before. It had been a, it had been a mentally exhausting day for me. I drove home to, I drove over to my mother's house with Brittany and picked up Austin. We got something to eat and went to the trailer. Brittany remained pain-free, never to complain of that back pain again. I canceled her appointment with the pediatrician the following morning. All right, guys, I'm going to stop there at Chapter 10, and we will continue this next week. And I thank everybody for coming. I really appreciate it. And I hope uh, I don't have any comments on Facebook yet that my Internet held up. So it looks like it held up. But I really appreciate everybody on TikTok watching today. Again, I do a, uh, I do a radio show. Oh, my light went out. Look at that. Weird things happen. Hang on a second. Now, how do I have this happen? I tell you, weird things happen when I read this book. I just noticed the light was out. Anyway, um, I do have a show that I put on. This is, this is the start of the week for us. Like I said, I read the From a Haunted book once a week, which is Sunday. And then tomorrow, our guest is Barbara Butcher. She is a... Um, death investigator, or used to be a death investigator with New York City, and she's going to be talking about her career, the cases that, that, she was work, that she's worked on, things like that. i got a big lineup this week for uh, guests, so hopefully you guys will find it in your heart to come join me, and that's over at youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. So I'm looking forward to seeing you all over there, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. So with that, thank you so much, TikTok. I appreciate you guys coming today, and I appreciate the gifts. And I will see you next time. Okay, well, welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, I didn't get a lot of people on TikTok today watching me, but that's all right. We'll get over it. I want to thank everybody for coming and for you guys on YouTube and uh, Facebook and, tic- and, and, and uh, Twitter and Twitch. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. 
Um, tomorrow again, uh, Barbara Butcher is going to be with us to talk about her career as a death investigator for, for, for NYPD. And then Tuesday, we've got some interesting guests coming on, and, and MK Davis is going to be with us. And we've got a great lineup of people coming, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tease those on. Uh, I've already te- teased them for Facebook and uh, YouTube. <laughs> Excuse me. But I'm also going to tease them over on um, over on uh, Meetup as well. Speaking of Meetup, uh, Tuesday is the first day of August. It is a Sturgeon Moon. I'm going to be hosting a meditation. And with this meditation, you can throw away anything that's bothering you, to think about your health matters, and meditate all, right? Okay? Or anything you want to do in the future, we can do that, or anything you haven't completed. Uh, the, the links for that, I don't think the links are in this. They might be. But the links for that are just just type in California Haunts Meetup, and it'll take you over to our Meetup site, and then, then click on Events, and you can check it out. We have that event going on. Saturday, I'm going to be teaching a psychic development class one for people that are just starting out with their psychic abilities. They help them control them as, as much as they can and help teach them how to open and close that psychic door. Sunday, I also have another. I have openings on my team. Um, we had some equipment go down, so I need to get some equipment repaired and, and replace a piece of equipment. So I decided to open up a few more spots on my paranormal team. So if that seems like something you want to do is... is uh, Ghost hunt with me. Ghost hunt with my team. That would be great. Go ahead and sign up. I'd appreciate it. Uh, that, again, that's all over at the media. Okay. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. And we're just looking to build this up. You know, we're just building, building, building. And we've done really good. And I want to thank everybody who listens to us on Spotify and I hope really in all those places. I really appreciate you doing that and being dedicated to us. It's a great thing. And again, um, you know, I'm just trying to pay the bills this month. So if you can find it in your heart to donate a little bit, that would be great. You can do that at the bottom down there. Uh, Venmo, California Haunts Venmo, and um, PayPal. Okay, yeah, I guess, let me look at the address down there. I'm tired. <laughs> uh, you can do it at, uh, let's see, paypal.com forward slash California Haunts. So that would be great. I really appreciate it. Anyway, I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific for Barbara Butcher. Have a great evening, everybody.